Buenos dias, familia. Me llamo Josh. As far as I could go. All right. We're not going to stretch you that much. Um, anyway, good morning. Uh, yeah, my, my name is Josh. I'm glad to be sharing with you again. I've been part of this family for a long time. In fact, I think if you have a picture, you can throw it on the screen. No, didn't get it. That's okay. So I was going to start with a picture on the screen that was a, a, a picture that I remember almost every time that I'm on the stage. And it's, uh, it, it's, a, it, it's the reminder of my wedding day. Uh, so coming up here on August 8th, uh, my wife and I got, got married on that day. It's our nine-year anniversary. And uh, I'm reminded of this place because we got married right here. And uh, so it's pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. Uh, it's, I'll clap for myself. Um, a year before that, this place was in a process, and it was a process of, of opening with a, under a new name, under the name Rand Park. And so we're almost at a 10-year anniversary to give you a little history lesson of this, of this space. Uh, and in fact, the, the pastor who married my wife and I, his name was Jim Liskey, and he was the pastor of Ridgepoint. And if you know the history of Ridgepoint uh, gifting us, I know Britton even mentioned that again last week, and, uh, and the gift that they were to us in terms of that planting process and uh, discipling us as we have become our, our own independent church and body. And what a journey that's been. And 10 years ago, I still remember uh, painting some of these walls or sitting with 20 people, uh, yeah. literally, and, uh, and, and trying to engage, but engage with a mission that was twofold. And one was to pursue and listen to Jesus. And number two was to passionately love and serve one another. And to do those two things was who we were. And, and not just who we were, but it's who we are. It's who you are. And so one cool thing about knowing history, and I, I get to be a history teacher by day, and every once in a while, get roped into this. And, uh, and, and so to understand the history, you know where you're at a little bit better. And, and, and I love remembering that history because it almost reminds you where we come from and where God has implanted in our hearts who we're supposed to be. And so it's with that that we've been looking at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. We'll get into chapter 9 just a, a tad bit. And in these three weeks, we're, we're focusing on that second part and that part of giving. That part of how do we live in community where we are a giving community, where we uh, build each other up, where we serve one another, uh, that we look out for the needs of the body. And so that's pretty cool. And so we get, to, we get to venture into that again today. So if you want to flip to 2 Corinthians 8, that's cool. I'm only going to throw probably a verse, maybe two or three on the screen total. Uh, so it's just a great chapter to read through anyhow. And it's where we, we were last week. It's where we're going to be again this week. Uh, but before I open up there, I want to, I want to pray uh, once more for us. Lord God, I praise you for all uh, the family members that are here. I, pray, I praise you that uh, each one of them, young and old, uh, are known by you. That you are the Lord of our lives, as we just sang. Lord, so we do. We praise you as Lord. We exalt you as Lord of our lives. And we want to listen to you. And so we ask that you may speak to our hearts, uh, that our ears may be opened uh, to hearing what you have for us today. Thank you for our, your word. Thank you for the spirit inside of us. And thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, uh, so if, if you go there, that's, that's great. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'll get there in just a second, so if you're there already, that's great. But I want to talk about not just who we are uh, in terms of giving people, but this is like what we're called to be, right? We are called to be people who give. And we're called to be that, and it goes back to, it reminds me of when Jesus was asked, hey, what are we called to do? What's the greatest commandment? What are we supposed to do with our lives? And he answered those two things. And he answered, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then also, and you know this probably, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's that, that logical next step. Last week, Britton had a, had a verse that he focused on, which was verse 5 in chapter 8. And if you're there already, uh, your version might be slightly different. But it says, they gave themselves. He's talking about the church uh, in Corinth. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us or then to one another. They wanted to give themselves to the Lord and then also, or and also to us. That's what they were going to do. That's the logical next step. That's what we're called to do. And it goes on to say, in keeping with God's will. Two verses later, it urges us. Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth, urging them to not just excel in teaching and talking about stuff, and, but also to excel in giving. And if you're looking at verse 7, you're, you're seeing that also, may you excel in giving. And so with that also, it, it's where we want to spend our time. What does it look like to be really stinking good givers? What does it look like to excel in giving? If you go, go down, uh, there's a next section starting in chapter, uh, sorry, verse 16. I'm going to highlight verse 24. But verse 16, there might be a little subtitle there that says, Paul sends Titus to Corinth. Now, some context here in chapter 8 is that the church in Corinth has promised to be good givers. They've said, hey, we're going to step up. There's some other brothers and sisters in need, and we want to step up and be good givers. And we have this gift. And Paul's going to send Titus and a few others to the church in Corinth to basically get that gift. And so he's writing this letter ahead of time, presumably, right? And, and writing it to them, and he's urging them onward with what they've said they're going to do. And so with that in mind, let's look at verse 24. So chapter 8, verse 24. It reads this. Therefore, show these men, these men being Titus and the couple that are going with, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it. I don't know if you've ever been asked to prove something, right? Prove it, right? You say you can dunk, and somebody's like, prove it, right? Go do it. I've never been able to, so just don't tell me to prove it. But prove something, right? You're showing up. You, you've said that you're going to do something. Now, now show up and do it. Prove it. And I want to talk about, like, what, what does it look like to prove your love? What does it look like to prove your love? On that day in this wedding that I, that I talked about, and that first, first reminder I get anytime I walk on the stage, I, I was proving my love to my wife in that moment, and then hopefully every day after, and in a growing way. I'm proving my love. I'm committing. I'm proving. It's something, it's a step further. The first question is, why do we have to prove something? It, it, this almost 
made me feel a little bit weird at first. Like, I, why do you have to prove something, right? Well, what's the purpose of that? I feel like I have to prove my, uh, myself to God. That seems a little bit weird. It seems a little bit backwards to some theology, other things that might contradict that. What about this? Why do I have to prove my love? There's a couple, couple things here. First of all, the church was being urged to prove their love in order to show that their hearts were pure. Show that they weren't frauds. Show that they were willing to follow. Jesus calls us to follow him, to take up our cross and follow him. And there's a moment when Jesus talks about those that have chosen to do that and those that didn't. Both groups have a similar thing. They thought they were following Jesus, but one group had proved it. You might know the time I'm talking about. Jesus once talked about two groups, and he labeled them as sheeps and goats. And he said there's one group that thought that they were doing these things, thought they were showing love and following, but they hadn't shown up. They hadn't shown up for those that were in need, those that were in prison, those that were hungry. They hadn't done this. They hadn't proved that their lives had been transformed and that they were willing to show love. The other group had. I know for me, the proving of my love is part of this process of not just having lip service at the beginning, yeah, I'll give, but coming through and not being seen as a fraud. The second is because the outcome is awesome. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says uh, another thing where he talks about letting your light shine before men for a purpose, for a reason. It's not to necessarily for your own gain, but it's for something else. Let your light shine before men so that others may see it and they may praise your Father in heaven. Because you've shown up, others see that and they're like, wow, this group loves. This group isn't just have a different label, but they do something different. And that light is something that is just fascinating to me and I'm directed to the Father's love because of that. There's a reason why we love. The why is foundational. The how is the tricky and messy part. How does this look? How do we actually love one another, right? How, how do we do that? How do we give to one another well? Early in the church's history, right, the, the church in Acts, the early church actually shared everything. They said, that, hey, let's share everything in common. Let's do that. And that's a difficult thing, I'm sure, that they had to go through. Early churches were struggling with, how do you, how do you deal with that? Ten years ago in this church, and through the first couple of years, there was something called a help board. Um, maybe if you're old enough in here, veteran enough in this space, you remember a help board. At first it was over on that wall, and then it was in the back, and, and it said just help board on the top. And you'd write on little cards things you needed help with. And then you could take this down, uh, you could see one, you could take one down, and you could try and pursue whoever had written that card and, and follow through and, and offer your help. And it was just some process of, of doing it. Well, recently, we've, uh, we've ventured into a, a, a new realm, and you probably saw it scrolling through, or if you've been here for the past uh, majority of the year, you know that there's been a new effort for us to play out our, our love, to be excellent givers, to excel at giving with one another. And it's called Back Row. I wanted to take 
part of the time today because we're talking about giving. And last week I know Britton talked a little more about tithing and, and, and uh, that element of giving. I wanted this week for us to focus on what does that really mean for us to excel at giving when it comes to a program called Back Row. What could that look like? So I'm going to ask Helen, who uh, kind of organizes the, uh, the stuff in this program, to come on up and share a little bit about Back Row. Yeah. Hey, hey, there you go. Thanks for joining me. So Helen, what is, tell us about Back Row. What is it real quick in case we haven't heard or gotten it all straight over the past nine months? Okay. Back Row is a way that you can share your stuff, your skills, and your stories with one another. Um, if you have a need, you can send an email through the website or fill out a card or come see me. And then I connect you with people that have signed up and said what they have in our database. I might send it out to the whole database or I might send it out. Like we recently had someone that really felt the Lord had called them into a vocation. They were feeling that they should pursue continued education. We had someone in the database that is actually in that vocation, sat down and met with them and explained to them what that looks like and how to pursue schooling and what are their next steps. So something simple as just having coffee with somebody and answering their questions. Um, we had someone who needed help with yard work, just couldn't get it done themselves, sent an email out. A couple of people said, yeah, sure, I'd be glad to go over there and mow some grass and weed some flower beds. So um, we've also had people move from the Family Hope Center that just needed help moving furniture or they might have needed things for their new apartment or their home and um, people have generously filled those things. So very simple things that you can do for one another um, and you may think they're small and insignificant but they all become part of God's big story. That's really cool. That's sweet. Let's thank Helen for sharing that. That's painless, right? That was great. Hey, uh, the alliteration, right? Stuff, what's the next one? Skills and stories. I almost forgot that middle one. Stuff, skills, and stories. The ability to share some of those things, to excel at giving of those things. It starts with, it with a step of saying, hey, I'm willing to give this. The church in Corinth here had, had apparently told Paul, hey, we have a gift to give. We have some stuff to give. And then, and then, Helen could kind of be that go-between of saying, hey, okay, I have, I have a need now, and I'm, I'm, I'm sending out, not a person, but maybe an email to say, hey, there's this need. Come on. It's time to show up. It's time to excel in giving. It's time to follow through. And what's, what's cool is there's a ton of work that goes into that database, but it keeps, keeps uh, track of things. If people need help moving, right? I think, I think Helen said there's 12 people in that database that said, hey, I'm willing to help you move. I'm help people move. Somebody who might need help moving some big furniture or something. And so there's that opportunity when that message goes out, and, and, and Paul actually encourages the church in Corinth later. He says, don't let your, uh, your commitment be hollow, your love be hollow. What you said with your word, now, now do, let's excel at giving. Here's our opportunity, and let's do it. Now what's cool is I've lived this, right? I love hearing testimonies, but I've lived this, and I have this on stage. Don't worry. Uh, I waited until Helen was off stage. I didn't want to scare her. Uh, this is Tucker's. Tucker, there you are, big man. I owe this to you. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, uh, Tucker brought this to my house. This was awesome. So I had, I had a need. I had a need for some skills and stuff, apparently. And, uh, and we were doing some demo in our house. Uh, my, my, my family uh, is, has recently gone through the process of, of welcoming a, a, a young boy into our house. 
and, uh, and, and he's a nine-year-old dude, and he needs a bedroom, right? And we're like, okay. And, uh, and so we're in the process of, of demoing some space, trying to make our kitchen a little bit bigger and put a bedroom above it. And it's, it's, a, it's a cool process, but I'm like, it's also chaotic a little bit. But the beginning is, is, is the fun part, but I need some manpower. And so Tucker and a drummer to be named later, he didn't want his name mentioned, uh, but a drummer to be named later, both showed up, uh, and, and, and we had fun, right? We had fun demoing this space. And Tucker, here you go. You can come grab this. Uh, and, and so the skills, right, or, or the stuff as well. Um, or maybe it's, it's I'm, I'm part of a, a, right, a, a small group that, that's called Network 127 that shares stories. I always say once a month we get together to laugh and cry. And we tell stories of what it's like to be kind of in the process of, of being a, a foster or adoptive parent and to be on that journey. And so I, I don't know what it is for you as you heard Helen tell some stories or you hear that calling in your own life of saying, hey, I, I, have, I, I am called, I'm urged to excel at giving. I don't know what that thing is in your heart, what goes off. Maybe it's something that says, hey, here's what I can give right away. Or maybe there's these other voices that say, oh, but, but what about this? And so I want to address a couple of those whatabouts. Because I think there's three things that we need to remember in order to excel at giving. And, uh, and so as Paul urged the church in Corinth on, I want to be somebody who urges you on. And I, I, want, I want the Spirit to urge my, me on too, to be one who always is mindful of of being somebody who's aware of, of need and willing to give. The first thing that I think we need to be aware of is that we need to focus on what we have and not what we lack. Turn on any advertisement that's out there, and if you go to advertising school someday, I don't know, I don't know if there's advertising school, uh, their goal is to play on this deep human like desire that you need more that that you don't have enough that without x whatever they are advertising you're not complete or not filled that that is a lie you will be told by the world that you lack or what you lack. You'll be told to focus on that. You'll be told to wallow in that. And yes, are there different scenarios in your life where there are struggles? I, yes, I'm not pointing out that, that those don't exist. Absolutely, there are physical struggles, real. But regardless, there are things that you have. There are things that God put inside of you, prepared you with, has brought you through that has made you a person that can share. Notice only one of those S words, right, is stuff. If you think you're lacking in stuff, focus on what you do have. Is there a skill? Is there a story? Is there some way that God redeemed your life that you can share with others? I know my mom and dad, my mom and dad are divorced. I've shared that from stage before. And my mom, after going through difficult times of, of depression and, 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 and kind of a journey of, of recovering from, from that and, and, and having God restore her, open herself up to say, hey, can I share my story with others who are going through a, a similar struggle? 
if she had that card in front of her right now, she would want to write down, I've been divorced. And I'm willing to talk to people about it. That's a gift that she can give. I know a handful of people that she has engaged with and she has excelled at giving. So think about that. Don't focus on what you don't have or what you lack. Focus on what you have. Here's another thing that might, oh, man, this is great. I'm going to skip by this, but this is great. Uh, so one of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible is also like when Jesus points out, uh, you know this, right, the widow's offering, right? She just gives, the, just gives the, two, the two coins. I don't even know what the coins are, like how much they're worth, but they say they're worth like a penny. And, it's like, and she gives that, and Jesus is like, wow, look at that. She's awesome, right? She's the one. She gave more than everybody today. And she didn't focus on what she lacked. She focused on what she had. She brought that before the Lord. I like how Dave put that with, with Joe and Jamie, saying sometimes it takes the space to listen. And so maybe, maybe it starts with just asking God, instead of the world, asking God, what do I have? God, I know you call me to give. I know you call me to give. What do I have? A second thing to remember is this. It will take sacrifice. So be willing to. Be ready to. Be prepared to. Be excited to. A lot of these things we stay away from because, again, there's some sort of discomfort or there's a risk involved. It might be messy, right? My nine-year-old son came out of residential care up in Everett, uh, Michigan. Some people might be scared of that. It's like, oh, it might be messy. It might be scary. Dude, he, he, he deserves love more than it, as much as all of us. He needs, he needs a, a family, a place to live right now. You might say, hey, okay, uh, yeah, I'm fine just giving stuff, just writing a check, but then get off my back, that's enough. But we are called into the mess. We're called into relationships with one another. And if there's any example worth looking at, it's Jesus' example. He, he shed his authority as, as, as God, and he came to earth in all the mess and chose to live amongst us and say, hey, I'm going to live in a relationship with you in this messy stuff. And it wasn't easy living with those disciples who just couldn't get it right, just like us. Uh, and, and, and trying to figure out, how do I do relationship here? How do I love well? It's not easy. The early churches are examples of this, right? There's constant letters from Paul saying, no, you're not doing this right with each other. Because with each other is tough, right? Even marriage is tough. I told you, I'm committed to my wife. But that's tough. It's, it's tough to live with. But may we be a body that sends a message that we're willing to and wanting to and excited to step into each other's mess. Right? May we be a body that does that. Because that'd be different than the world. That'd be different than withdrawing. Than saying, oh, you know, the, the mess, that, that's a risk. I'm going to look out for myself. May we be willing to step into that mess. It's not easy. It's not easy to go visit somebody at a hospital. It makes me feel uncomfortable, right? It's not easy to go step into somebody who's struggling with something and sit by them for hours and listen or encourage them or work through something. Do it. Be willing to sacrifice your time and be vulnerable in the process. And then lastly, remember that it's not about you. We love because he first loved us. 
We are called to prove our love. Paul is urging the church to prove our love. And that love is an action. Verse 7, uh, again, talks about excelling in the grace of giving. There's another version you might be looking at it that says, uh, excel in the act of grace. That that's an action. It's not about us. There's a verse, one more verse I want to I highlight. It's verse 13. And I love this, this verse because, again, a lot of times we think, okay, if we step into a mess, it kind of throws off our own lives. And it's a good reminder for me that it's not about me, the ultimate goal. And verse 13 reads this. It says, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. Equality of what? Equality of hope. Equality of joy, equality of life, of grace. And you have the grace, deliver it to one another. In the mess, in, in, in all that, do it. Because it's not about you. It's that all might experience God's love and God's grace. And that he may be glorified through it. We love because he first loved us. Be willing to do that. One of my favorite uh, pastors I used to listen to uh, used to make a statement that said, uh, said, you, you may be the only gospel that somebody ever reads. I want to change just the, the pronoun there to a we. We, Moran Park, may be the only gospel that some, somebody out there ever reads. What kind of gospel do we hope that they read? I hope that they read one that excels at giving, that proves their love, that's not afraid of the mess, that doesn't look out for ourselves first, that doesn't think about what we lack, but instead focuses on what we have and is willing to give to one another in ways that are radical, in ways that are loving, in ways that uh, that show the grace of God, that show and prove his love for each one of us and for the world. More in Park, may we be a place that excels at giving. Let's pray real quick. Lord God, we praise you that you gave of yourself that you gave of yourself to each one of us, that you gave love, gave grace, gave truth, gave hope, that you gave your spirit, put it inside of us, and that you call us, that you call us to reflect that love. Lord, each one of us here on our journey, I pray that you would meet us where we're at, that you would speak to us, that we would be quiet enough to listen to you, to hear your voice and to act to act in ways that reflect your love to others. Oh, that others may see. Oh, Lord, that the world may see, that our brothers and sisters may see that our love is one that reflects yours, your heart. And we praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, so the whole time I was doing this, kids, this is for you. Ready? If you're single digits, you're going to like this, okay? So the whole time I was thinking about uh, giving, right? I kept thinking about, man, the, the, I told this to Daniel even right before this. I said, I said the whole time I was thinking about giving, being somebody who's, who's ready to, prepare to, willing to, desiring to be a good giver. I kept thinking about, man, the, the thing that's the foundation of that is the, mo- the increased recognition of how much God gave me when he gave his only son to die on the cross. And so it's with joy that we get to celebrate communion today together. But I want to talk to you 10 and unders, okay, out there. So this is, this, is, this is good stuff, okay? And I have some questions for you. If you're 10 and under, in fact, I'm going to ask you maybe, you can even stand on your pews or you can, or you can even come up here if you want to. That's kind of cool, okay? Uh, so I, I need to see you. Raise your hands, 10 and unders, or stand up on your pews and, and come on, okay? So I, ha- I have something here and I have some questions for some 10 and unders. Come on down if you want to. That's cool, okay? I have some stuff here for you. Come on. Yes. Okay, this is going to be fun. Oh, stay down here, though. Stay down here. You're good. I'll come down here with you. Okay? What's this, buddy? Yeah, totally. Okay? And I have some questions for you about, about dirt. Okay? Who likes to get dirty? Yes. Now, can you tell me something you did this summer that made you dirty? Something you did this summer that made you dirty. Yes. Played outside. Okay, I'm going to make myself a little dirty, okay? I'm going to clean up the floor later. Here we go. What's something else? Uh, I played in the dirt when I was at school and we were digging. Yeah, digging. I love it. I'm going to put some right there. Okay, cool. What's another one? Yes. Um, I went outside and I saw them out my, like, um, there's a mountain on, uh, on my house. There's a mountain on your house? Like, a tiny mountain. There's a, and you're playing on it. Playing on a tiny mountain on your house. Okay, cool. I'm going to put some right there. Okay, do I have one more? Yes, buddy. You played what? When you play in the mud, you get all dirty. This is, this is great, okay? Oh, that was awesome. Okay, so when you get dirty, what do you have to do afterwards? What does what, what was, was mommy sometimes do? Say, take a shower. What else? Yeah. Clean yourself off. This is great, okay? Is this all going to come off? I hope so, okay? No. No? Is it pretty good? I should have made these wet earlier. I wasn't playing enough, okay? So you can, you can wipe yourself off, okay? I'm going to pretend like this is wiping me off, kind of, okay? I mean, it's, it's stained. Okay, good. Okay. So I, I want you to look at this again. I got another thing of mud, okay? Cool? Good news? Now, I, I want to I ask you, have you ever done anything that made you dirty on the inside? What's something that made you dirty on the inside? What do you think? Uh, that means your shoes might get dirty on the inside. Oh, the inside of your shoes Even might get shirt. dirty. This is great. Even shirt. Even shirt. That was a terrible question, I just realized. This is good. How about something that made your heart dirty? You made you like you maybe did something mean or, or something? Yeah. You, maybe if you lie, right? Maybe if you lie. It makes you dirty in the end. It's not that gross, right? What's something else? I mean, you want me to do this, right? That was Fabian, drummer to be named later. You want some? 
What's something else you could do? Um, uh, putting in your nose. Well, that would make me dirty too. Well, something else mean, maybe I did. Hurt another person, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to offer some. Does anybody want some? No. Okay, there you go. Put it in. Yeah. Oh. How's it taste? Good. Hold on. Hold on. What does it taste, what does it taste like? What does it it tastes like Oreos. This is good. Okay. It, it's melted Oreos. This is good. Okay, cool. Hey, uh, kid, in case you didn't hear that, kids out there, don't go home and eat mud. Parents, it's good. Hey, let's thank these guys real quick for being up here. Okay? Now, hold on. You can stay up here, sorry, for a little bit longer because I, I forgot the point, right? We're just eating Oreos. Because the point's important. So could I take this? Let's say that was that was mud. Could I take this and wipe out my insides? No, no. Because my insides are dirty, right? So if I was mean to somebody or stole something or lied or did something bad, right? My insides were dirty. I couldn't just I couldn't just take a shower. I couldn't do this with the napkins, right? I couldn't clean myself off. So so because you're messing your heart up. You are right, man. So there's something that we do as a church. Okay, and everybody else is listening to this too, and this is cool. Something we do as a church every once in a while that where we try to clean our insides, but it's not what we do right now, but it's what this represents. So this is bread, and this is some juice. That's for, that's for Jesus. And what this represents is what Jesus did for us. Yes. You got it, big man. And the bread represents his body. And the juice represents the blood of Jesus, dude. You can shout that from the mountaintops. Even Zane's little mountain. And, and so what we're going to do right now is this stuff right here doesn't make us clean. But this stuff makes us remember that once and for all, when Jesus was talking to his friends right before he got crucified... That he said, whenever you eat this and drink this, you remember that I made you clean on the inside. Okay? So that's what we're trying to remember right now, is that Jesus made us clean on the inside. And what's so cool is that he gave his blood and his body for us so that we can be really good givers today too. Sound good? Yes, you can have one more bite of melted Oreo. That's cool. <laughs> All right, now you guys can go back to your seats. Okay, there you go. So there, thanks for the kids portion. That was awesome. There's a verse in, in chapter 8, still verse 9, that I want to end with as we transition to doing communion together. Okay? And it should be on the screen. There it is. Okay. Says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, your sake, our sake, Moran Park, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus gave everything. Somebody earlier talked about this being the climactic moment of our church service together, is doing communion. 
Because it's a time where we remember how much he gave so that we might in turn be givers ourselves. The way this is going to work is a little bit different than, than a typical communion. Um, instead of having servers up here, we're not going to call servers up here. We'll call the band back up here, I think, to play, right? You guys can come up now, sure. Um, but you are going to serve one another. And so the stations are the same, right? There's, there's stations in, in the front here, and there's, there's one with the apple juice over there and gluten-free as well. Uh, there's stations in the back. I didn't see exactly where they're set up. Is there a station in the balcony too? Yeah. Okay, there's stations up there. And what you're going to do is you're going to go up to that station. If you're the first person, I would encourage you to ask the second person to, to read what's going to be on the screen to you. And then you read it back to them. And then after that, whoever, just, whoever was second will turn and do it for the third person, and the third for the fourth, and so on. Now what's cool is I, I want the pronoun to be a we. I want we together to be the body that represents Jesus' love for others here on earth. And it starts with us being a body together, loving one another. In the midst of our mess, from all the different spots we come from, from all the diversity in this place, that we share one common bond, and that's through the blood and life and body of Jesus Christ. So those are the words that you can say to your brothers and sisters. The body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Come, or all things are ready.